The more you play with people, the more you get used to their position, you get used to their movements, and obviously you build chemistry. Did it take long to build the chemistry with Shane Walsh then? No, it didn't take long at all. <laughs> Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Off the ball. This is News Talk. All right, you're welcome along to the final hour of Friday Night's Off the Ball. It's Adrian Matthews at 10. Delighted to say Mick and Will are with us. Lads, how are you doing? Good, Hi, yeah. Adrian. What's happening? I'm not sure normally. A couple of glasses of wine in the stage on a Friday night. Board, yeah. Uh, yeah, glass yeah. of wine. I had a bit too many cheese boards. Hoping not to fall Christmas. asleep quite yet. That's your usual oh, Friday it's, night. It's, like, it's yeah. a losing battle, that one. Yeah. It's a losing battle. Like, uh, try and stay, stay awake to the end of the URC game at least. Yeah. You know, but uh, try and drag as much out of it. No, I like the word fitting all the stereotypes in here. Your cheese board. He's watching the URC yeah. game. <laughs> Kill him Cook Rogues playing at the weekend. That's me. That's my life now. And all the beats. Uh, yeah, too many cheese boards and drank too much wine over the Christmas. Yeah, I'm trying to detox from it now. I'm trying to de- detox from it so much. I'm after buying myself a, a turbo exercise uh, thing for oh. bicycle Zwift. There's a there's a very good video of uh, my daughter when she was like just kind of learning how to walk, and she was kind of like point, you know, at that age where they kind of yeah. point to things and say like bin yeah. or whatever, you know. And it's yeah. with my mom, her grandmother, is. Uh, taking the video and she's like that's a bin that's a window and points at the exercise bike to say she goes and that's a white elephant <laughs> <laughs> we can't discuss <laughs> uh, she's doing, wise, it was doing the social hurling by the way no, 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 no. I did that for a little while, Will, and then um, my body packed it in. Huh. Um, so, no, I, somebody did mention I was done, I was done uh, pre-Christmas to buying the Crokes uh, Hurling Annual for 2022. So, I mean, that just surely allows me out. entry into the great hurling snobs of the world. Um, the young fella made the cover of it. It was amazing. Like, oh, wow. It'll be. I mean, to be fair, there was He's like, only got the competition of 9,000 other children <laughs> yeah, that play for that club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I haven't got back. I would love to go back at some point. I sort of tried to do a little bit of uh, working through the uh, knees issues and various things that I had. And I was really good at that up until about September. And then the wheels came off. So I need to go back to that. But I would love to go back. It's such a... What a release. Like, yeah. you know, just a great... Um, Nine o'clock on a Tuesday night. Yeah. What else are you doing? Like? Let some timber fly. Let some timber fly. I broke a hurl in the first couple of weeks. I was down there. Somebody sent me in a new hurl. It was amazing. It hasn't got a huge amount of outings since. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, I'm not. I'm not one for the 2020. I'm not one for the like New Year sort there's of. A, there's, I'm literally looking at a brilliantly made Joe Canning hurley. Rarity now, of course, it since is, they yeah. packed in the uh, packed in the business. So you it's could always too crisp uh, take and clean that looking, down. isn't it? No, I have a lovely one at home. I must give them a shout out when I remember it, the people that made it. Um, anyway, lots going on. Um, one of the first things we we'll get into. This is where we pick through. You you guide me around here, right? This is where we pick through the best stuff that happened on the show during the week. On the show and across the across the, the platform. network. Yeah, right. exactly. Okay. So that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Track. We're going to start that with the bit of Ronan Agar from the show this morning. Uh, it's all in relation to Ben Healy. The big decision that he made, obviously, during the week to opt to leave Munster and join Edinburgh in the summer. Um, squad, Scottish qualified and uh, could be called into their squad for the Six Nations um, due to injuries there. He's played 47 times for Munster since 2019. Obviously behind Carberry, behind Crowley um, in the Munster pecking order. And then any names you want to mention after that in terms of Ireland. So, Ronald Agarra, Alan Quinlan, they were on OTBAM this morning and uh, here's Ronald Agarra talking about the possibility of playing for Scotland at the World Cup and it would have been a very uh, appealing prospect for him. I can understand uh, where ben is, ben is coming from. I think um, it's very, very competitive in Munster in Ireland, uh, but he is still very young with low mileage, uh, with a huge capacity, I think, to get better. Um but obviously, I think he's um, 
being enticed by uh, Gregor Townsend and the fact that this is his World Cup probably in, in 10 months' time. There's, um, it's probably been sold to him and the fact that a, a nice file with uh, Finn Russell and I suppose the stability, solidity, game management of Ben Healy with the maverick approach of uh, Finn Russell seems to go well for a 23-man squad. Obviously, Hastings is injured for the Six Nations, which... Uh, could open the door, but uh, it's a, it's a big big decision for a young player. Um, you know, I remember going back uh, donkey's years. I met um, Eddie O'Sullivan when he was coaching the U.S. Eagles, and I was in that position where uh, you're, I was kind of trying to convince myself I could play for uh, play for Carcon and represent America at at national level. <laughs> but thankfully, I, I didn't make that decision because once you make that, you can't turn it back. And it's it's a huge, huge um, moment for the player and, and for Ben and the emotions involved and with his family involved and that. It's a big, 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 big call. And, um, um, you know, as we know, the show goes on. But when you put it in his situation, that's a massive, massive, I suppose, decision for any young player to make. Yeah, it, it seems like it's a permanent decision being made about maybe a short-term problem at not getting into the team at the moment, Quinny. Yeah, it, it was, um, to be honest, I, I think his head was turned. He's obviously probably getting a good uh, contract uh, salary as well, but um, it's I wouldn't say it's kind of thrown in the towel and... and uh, but it is a bit, isn't it? That kind of expression is probably a wrong expression, but it feels a little bit like you'd love to the kind of him to have an attitude of saying, "Well, okay, I have a little bit of a dip in form here and behind, um, behind a little bit here." And Roger know himself from playing with Munster, particularly in the back row when I played there, we all had moments where our periods where we weren't in the team. What David Wallace came back from two thousand and one Lions tour, and he was playing with Gary Owen a few months later. Um, Leamy came on the scene. Jim Williams was there. I was there. Axel, a um, lot of, a lot more depth in the back row. And Molly was playing with Gary Owen for a few months. So you know, you you have dips like that, particularly for a young player, um, who, you know, propelled himself on the scene in the last kind of year and a half of of his ability to kick long range penalties, a lot of composure, control. Um, I'm I'm surprised. You know, I'm surprised that. Um, because it's, other opportunities will come as regards bigger contracts, you know, like to go to go to France in in another. It's it's a really really big decision, but he obviously feels that um, the door is closing a little bit more and closed. He's not thrown in the towel though if he feels more Scottish. How does he feel Scottish? He's from Tipperary, Shane. I know. You but, know what I mean? But he's he's is one of his grandparents are Scottish. They've been you know putting the squeeze on him it, it, it was going on last year as well with Glasgow and and fair play you know Scotland Gregor Townsend has obviously convinced him that he can develop his game do something with him and I'm not saying it's the wrong call I, I admire him for being brave about it for me personally I would have loved to the, the kind of you see it's a, it's a very short it's a very short career as well so he stays on for another two years a year or two and suddenly he's 25 26 the opportunities don't come around and it's the same in coaching as well so sometimes you've got to just go with your gut he's done that um it's a big call and it's a, it's a pity for Irish rugby that 
he, it's happened I you know in an ideal world from an Irish rugby point of view go to Connacht go to Ulster start there play against Carberry play against Jack Crowley you know Johnny Sexton is leaving next year so the, the, the gap we're always talking about it's now it will be a more even playing field next year so um, they've turned his head and he's made the decision and, and fair play to, the, to him for being brave for that I would have liked to have seen him stay and um fight it out a little bit but I do understand in a sense that um, there's a frustration probably there the way things have turned out in the last couple of months for him Ronan you guys were linked with one of the young Munster at Haas taking them, trying to take them on loan about a year ago is that right was it was it Crowley or no, was not, it not, not take them on loan sign them Jack right. Crowley it was Crowley ok so you obviously scouted the Munster at Haas and were looking to see um, yeah, of course I did, exactly. I just probably, there was a Corcon connection there. It was more, uh, uh, you know what I mean? I would rate Don Lennon's opinion on rugby because um, I worked with him over a long, he was my coach, my manager, kind of a mentor. And uh, it's weird, but a second row, I felt uh, a very good connection with him. And obviously he looked after me and bringing me up in con in that regard and kind of, I suppose, grew me well. So he recommended this guy from Band and Grammar and I had kind of watched him and watched footage of him. I thought, and I thought he was good, but from my point of view, he was more um, as a number two, you know, who can I get someone to, that I can maybe get eight or 10 games a year out of. And, and, and the situation in Munster is, is, isn't is clear-cut about uh, there's three very, very good number 10s, but three in, in very good number 10s doesn't work. And it's not really of any interest what our opinion uh, on it is, Ger. It's It's got to do with what Ben Healy, you know what I mean? The boys are talking about throwing in the towel. Uh, I don't think Ben Healy would would be throwing in the towel. I think... He's presented with a set of circumstances of consequences in front of him, and he has decided to do this. So um, I think it is very interesting when you look at it like that, because he may feel that no matter how he plays, whether it's right or wrong, that the door is closed in front of him and his his progress in Munster or in Ireland is blocked and he wants out. Yeah, that was Ronan Agar on the show this morning and chat, uh, conversation with the lads. We also had uh, Andy Dunn on Wednesday Night Rugby. He was talking about why Scotland uh, would be interested from their side in bringing Healy into their squad. Well, it's tough for Roundtree and any coach who coaches a young fellow who's got brilliant professionalism, you know, and who's got a capacity to do what he does well. He does he does his strong parts of his game exceptionally well. Um Coaches do really enjoy working with players like that, so I can understand for Roundtree why it's it hurts, you know. And he also gives additional strength and depth. But I think that's where it becomes tricky for the likes of Healy that he probably knows he's he's respected as a good squad member by the likes of Roundtree. He knows he's very professional and capable but he clearly knows he is third choice and he said he has his own professional goals and I would imagine there if he's if he's an opportunity to play international rugby he's going to get a better chance in Scotland than he is in Ireland so I would I think it's it's a good call for him I think wish him the best and hope in a year or two he doesn't knock over seven penalties against us in Murrayfield mm. and we lose we lose the Six Nations game because I could see it happening, you know. But he's he's a complete and 
utter opposite of the likes of Finn Russell if he does um, break into a Scottish national setup, which I presume is his goal. I don't think he he grew up dreaming of playing for Edinburgh, put no. it that way. So, um, uh, and I don't even think Scotland realistically. I can't speak for him. I don't know what his dreams were, but he played at Irish yeah, underage level, won a Grand Slam, and I, presumably this is a choice of pragmatism. Yes, and you know. Um, McGinty probably didn't grow up thinking he was going to go and play for the US and Ian McKinley didn't think he was going to go grow up and play for Italy. But when you get to a point where you're, you know, of very good quality, but you're, you you know the writings on the wall and you're established in your position and you're not getting a look in, um, I, can, I can really see their point of view and I think it's to be applauded. And is he definitely behind Crowley? Uh Yes, I would say in terms of the Irish management viewpoint, if you're asking me just objectively what you look at, is he behind Crowley? It's hard to say because what, what I've seen from Crowley, the, probably the, the most impressive single piece of skill I've ever seen from Crowley was two or three years ago in a 20s game where he, where he ran a, an incredible individual try from his own 22 and that he hasn't done that in the professional era yet so you're working a lot off potential with Crowley I think um, That's why I have wondered if Healy might have been advised I know he's 23 mm. well let's just stay here and fight your corner a while and see what happens Yeah yeah you could but I, I suppose if, if Crowley has come in has started a game against Australia almost by accident yeah. you know as we know but then simultaneously held his own very, very capably in that game. And he didn't do anything um he didn't do anything that stood out, which is actually a good thing, because he didn't make any glaring mistakes that stood out in a game thrown in the deep end at an international against a reasonably good quality Aussie side. Um I think he's unfortunately for for um Healy, he's just been leapfrogged and I would say that isn't going to change. So Okay. And I don't think it's just entirely objective, like looking at Crowley and looking at Healy and saying, look, you know, based on what Healy's done, does he deserve to be leapfrogged like that? Probably not. But that's the way it rolls. Because he's 90% of the kicking tee, which is exceptional. Mm. And he has kicked winning points mm. at the death for Munster on several occasions. So yeah. he has a certain temperament. I've seen his defence question, but I presume that's something that can be improved. General play, how good is Healy? Um, general play, I would say he's he's just a, a moderate, moderately talented. I don't think he's ever going to shake up a game with his influence in attack. And that's his influence as a distributor or his influence as an individual threat. I just, it's not there in his game. Now, if you look at the try you have to look at it in context and say he was a yard out yeah. and it was there were two particularly weak tackles. So, you know, looking at it in context, his overall attacking game, I'm sure what he can do is, is he can come in and operate a system that a management team wants him to operate mm-hmm. and he can do it very well. Um, but I think the highest level, you need people who can choose to go off the system and make that successful too. You'll never hear a coach criticise someone who went off piece and it worked, you know. Um, I don't know if he's got that in the repertoire either. I certainly haven't seen evidence of that. But that's not to detract from the strengths. You know, if, you know, 90% uh, 
kicking success rate excellent from the from out of hand kicking um, yeah defensively we could all out have the vast majority of, of us brethren um, would have a question mark at that at some stage in their career and sec- look at Sexton missed the absolute sitter of a tackle against Henshaw um, Henshaw kind of waltzed around him and no one said a word if that was someone else there'd be question marks but obviously we know Sexton doesn't shirk it it was just a missed tackle but um, there is yeah I I wouldn't worry about his defensive side. I think that would he's he seems to have the application and the attitude to change that very quickly. Very interesting. And there isn't like a it doesn't feel like there's a right or wrong answer to this. And also I think when you think about it from Ben Healy's point of view, it's uh, it's such an unenviable position to be in because he must have been saying to himself, If I could just buy myself twelve months, see how the Ireland thing pans out in life post sexton, I mean you presume it's gonna be life post sexton. Where is he in that pecking order? Because I presume if you were saying to him at that stage, listen, in terms of the Ireland bit, you're second or third in line there. That's enough of a carrot to carry on. But he must not have been seeing anything in his future that was enough for him to say, even in that instance, I'm just not there. I'm not, not going to look in here. Yeah, he resisted the allure two years ago when Glasgow were trying to sign him. Mm. At the same time, same situation where he could become Scottish qualified. I think the World Cup being on the horizon has to be a big part of this as well. That realistically, if he has a good start, to next year and even if he gets some game time with Munster in the coming months he's got a chance to stake a claim to actually start for Scotland it'll be very interesting Adrian if Scotland decide to try and call him up for the Six Nations because of that Hastings injury which you mentioned because Munster wouldn't be obliged to release him to play international rugby during that window and you would think that Munster would want him around mm. given that now Crowley and Carberry are both going to be involved in the Irish squad uh, particularly both are going to be needed with Johnny Sexton's injury which makes him a doubt for the start of the championship so I, I wonder how this could could they really st- I mean I know they could I know they could stand in his way but would you like I've got a chance to play Six Nations rugby here are you telling me i got to hang around well, he's a professional a player URC. contracted to play for a club like you know it's like I don't think they would actually you think I, don't think, I, I don't think it's as cut and dry as you're making out as like oh that'd be bad form or anything like that Munster are very important games in that time who are they going to play at 10 like you know what I mean they have three for a reason they know one of them isn't going to be international isn't going to be in the international setup and will be there for them at that in those games and then suddenly it's like oh he's a Scottish now he's going off to play for Scotland but that's like, potentially life nobody, for, that's you know? probably a good insight into life for them next year right like I know there's uh, Quinny was talking this morning about there's a young fella coming through at 10 that I'm sure there are academy prospects that are there that'll emerge over the next while um, but That'll be a bit of an insight into them. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, they've, they've time to deal with that. In this situation, what they've got is a number one out half and two young up-and-coming guys who are battling it out to, to try and mm-hmm. challenge Carberry. That's not a bad position to be yeah. in, actually, you know? And if he wants to go, that's fine. But I don't, I don't think they're obliged to let him leave, you know? Now, his chances of getting into the World Cup squad, I think, hinge on whether Munster do allow him uh, to go for the Six Nations or not really. Uh, that's an interesting one because you sort of assume that like the lads were chatting a lot about the uh, you know the charisma I might be overstating it now but the charisma of Gregor Townsend setting him down and saying listen you're going to be a firm part of my plans surely the key weight in that conversation and when you're weighing that up must have been Townsend saying you'll be in my World Cup squad surely you're not going on the off chance that you might make it surely if that's not an I don't not, think, not I don't think, I don't think things are as cut and dry as that when but people then, then talk to each other. They talk about opportunity. Then would you not hang around? I'll be watching you and they'll would talk not, like, would that Would that be enough for you to go, you know, Gregor, Gregor's like. going to give you a bit of an old, you know, glad eye from across the room, you know, as opposed to, come on, we'll, 
we're heading home. I think you're. I, I think it's been a little bit too simple, simplistic to just make this a kind of a World Cup, you know, wait, bide your time, or else try and get to the World Cup. I think it's more than that. I think it's just these guys are professionals. He probably sees Crowley coming through. He probably sees the writing on the wall at Munster, and there's this brilliant opportunity, and it just so happens to go along with an international opportunity. There's a lot in favour for um, Healy's career to go to Edinburgh, have a better chance of staking the claim to be the number 10, and then to go on and try and get into that Scotland squad. I don't know if it's as kind of like, I don't know if it's as mapped out as where it goes from there. I think it's just that's the starting point and that's where Is you that go. Is that not him sort of not a, uh, sort of accepting that he's not as good as the other ones then? Is that not him sort of going, well, you know, I don't back myself or, enough. Or maybe he knows what Graham Rowntree, maybe he yeah. thinks that that's what Graham Rowntree thinks and there's no getting past that, you know? I don't know. It feels to me like he's been realistic here, which is if he was to do what you suppose, hang on, see what the picture's like after the World Cup next year. He's then committed to another season at Munster where he could be behind Crowley in the pecking order. Next thing, Healy's not getting a huge amount of rugby and he looks back at a missed opportunity where he will probably be Edinburgh's starting fly half. They've been crying out to try and get a fly half in. Uh. And also there's a very good chance he's in and around the Scotland mix. Like himself and John Cooney could well be the halfback pairing yeah. later this year. But is, if the is, Scot- that, that, is that not a bad reflection on Scotland, by the way? <laughs> oh, it probably is. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. No, no, no disrespect to the, to the two lads, but like they're nowhere near and looking for Ireland. Yeah, well, there's arguments John Cooney should be, but yeah, that, that's a fair point. I think, though, like, take the international thing out of it, and I don't think this would be as big a talking point. Understandably, of course, I don't think the international thing is nothing, but just in terms of Ben Healy's decision-making and whether he's accepting that people are above him or whatever, if when JJ Hanrahan left Munster to go and try and find first-team rugby, people thought, oh, that's a pity, but... I understand where he's coming from. I think that's a, we're just in a similar position with Ben Healy. It just so happens that there's that international element that's just another carrot for us. Did JJ you know? not get a lot more opportunity? And had had the Munster uh, hive mind not felt that he's he's given all the chances he needs and he just... No, no, no you're, pro- you're possibly Healy, true. It feels but, like yeah. We haven't seen the ceiling of Ben Healy yet. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that could be wrong. Uh, it, is there a possibility in all this that Johnny Sexton stays on for another year? People are obsessed with that idea. I don't know. What do you think? World Cup seems a natural place to bring the curtain down, but at the same time, surely going back in to play another European campaign with Leinster would make perfect sense when you're already midway through a season. Is there a possibility he retires from Ireland and continues with Leinster? The European Cup won't have even started. You're not really midway through a season, you know, I think. Mm. But I know what you mean. Mm. You're not far off, you're coming into it. I mean, I don't know what the schedule, it must be a tweaked schedule next year, is it, with the World Cup? Yeah, it's pushed back, like the starting season's pushed back a bit because of the World Cup. It didn't happen until December this year anyway, so... I just don't know like you get to that point where you've kind of done like he's won everything he can in the club game he's the World Cup's the only thing left for Ireland and this is his last chance at that he's done everything he can in a Lions sense right so it's just like coming back to play uh, URC and Heineken Cup and maybe another Six Nations or something like that when it's like you've reached a point where you're still playing great rugby your body's in good shape hopefully you know I, I don't understand. I just don't understand what the motivation would be. But then the reason he's Johnny Sexton is because I don't understand his motivation, and it's beyond, you know, human <laughs> understanding in some ways. So who knows with him? But I, I think if, if he said it, he'll go. I wonder if his thinking changes a little bit about retiring at the World Cup if he captains Leinster to a European Cup in Dublin later this year. Agreed with that. He'll have achieved what he wants to achieve at club level. Or they come up short in a semi-final and it's desperately close or the final and the same with the World Cup or the Six Nations. Body might just have six months longer like, than I planned. Tom Brady retired last summer and then decided he's not doing it. He's 45 and 
there is zero talk about Tom Brady retiring this this year. Right. There's the only conversation is where's Tom Brady going to be playing next year. Mm. It's like he's going to be 46, and it's just like some people are just made differently. Mm. And I think Sexton, there's a reason he talks about Brady a lot. But I, I just feel like the fact that well, he that's, said that's that's you that's you saying he's he's hanging around. He's not a no, but that's what I'm saying. I, I'm saying that I'm saying that I can't get in his head. I don't understand the motivation. So there's always yeah. a possibility. But I just if it, if it comes to it. I think the reason he said it is because that's his plan. Do we think the likely pecking order once, so in the scenario where he does retire and then the Six Nations 2024, the likely pecking order at 10 is what? Carberry number one? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think there's too much It feels a little bit uninspiring, doesn't it? Like, I mean, I know he deserves a good run of games at 10 that he hasn't had just yet. I know he's shown glimpses of been, you know, of the exceptional talent that he has, undoubted. Um, I know injuries have played their part. And I know that also we can't continue to... It'd be unfair to uh, compare to whoever comes in to no, Sexton. The new and, day, but, yeah. hey, By the way, we're going to do that. That's. But I think nobody should own that jersey in the way Sexton does. Sexton's earned that. Mm. And he never had a Johnny Sexton to his Ron Nogara to come and take it off mm. him. And he's got to the end of his career without that ever happening. And that's because Johnny Sexton's one of the best rugby players of all time. You know, it's no real indictment on them. But somebody at the moment will be Carberry. A lot can change in 12 months as to who that will be. But somebody will have it. It'll be tentative. Mm. I think that's the key, isn't it? It doesn't almost matter who it starts with. It's going to be a tentative thing that somebody will have to claim over the course of maybe two years. You know, like maybe like halfway through the next World Cup cycle before somebody like really decides that's their jersey. But I assume that Farrell and... Cat have somebody in mind. They must at the minute be oh, sitting yeah. down and doing. Here's our power ranking. But do you not think that do you not think that if Crowley plays like or you know they've obviously had Frawley in their mind, right? Or these two guys suddenly start getting a lot of time at ten. That's like an out half. You can go from good to great very quickly, or you can go from okay to good ah, very yeah. quickly. A lot. I I would say they are looking at a thinking. We'll the, be in a the, very different situation in 2024. That probably favours Crowley or Harry Byrne then. Because yeah. they haven't yet been really given the Yeah, whereas you know what you have with Carberry yeah. and Rosper. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, interesting. Enough, Let, uh, let's try and win the World Cup first. Let's Leinster win the Highland Cup or, you know, if that's what you guys want. And, uh, and Ireland win the World Cup and a Grand Slam. And then we'll worry about who the next Ireland number 10 is. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, yeah. We might come. We, I think there's a chance we'll come back to this topic um, in just a little bit. Right. In uh, a little bit. In five minutes. <laughs> yeah, often, after the break. Often and regularly. Uh, coming up after the break, we talk more. Gen- no, we don't. Brian Kerr on whether we should be getting hyped about Evan Ferguson. All right. Having spent the. Uh, welcome back to the show, by the way. And having spent the last little while uh, bigging up all the future Ireland stars, we're going to continue in the same sort of vein now. Uh, former Republic of Ireland manager Brian Kerr was on the show during the week. He was talking all things Evan Ferguson, of course, making a strong case uh, for him to be Ireland's starting striker in the upcoming Euro qualifiers. The Meath teenager, of course, scored back to back matches uh, for Brighton during the week, finding the net against both Arsenal and Everton. So after our live coverage of City's win against Chelsea last night, uh, Brian Kerr told Nathan that Ferguson is all the attributes lead the line at both Premier League and international level. You go back to the start and you know Keith Long was managing the team at Bowes very very well and he was uh, very astute in putting young players into the team most of whom Bowes seems to have, have sold in, re, in the last year or two they're, they're, they're decorating all around the different levels of leagues in England it's continued right up until today young Mullins went yesterday but 
that one at the time was it was was kind of startling that he put a 14 year old into into the team against Chelsea in a in a friendly game and everybody took notice of that and Keith as I, said, I, I respect him highly I respect him as a player I signed him as a player but respect him and his management the work he did at Bowers now I remember Colin there's a reason for this he wouldn't be doing this uh, just to dress her up and hope they sell him on he obviously thinks the, the boy has ability and could be in the team. And, uh, you know, I, I followed through on his background at that time and said, oh, he's Barry Ferguson's on. I knew Barry well. Barry played in under the national teams. He played in, at the World Cup for us in Nigeria in 1999. Very good centre-half and a very good lad. He works full-time for the FAI as development officer. There's a great grounding there and a great um, guidance, I'd say, but also a physicality. His dad mm-hmm. is a big, tall lad comes deep in the football family um, his granddad would have, would have played at a very good level I think it would have been at uh, Manchester United at one time as well but they were very, Ferguson's were a great football family so he comes from that environment and he's got the physicality guidance uh, technical ability gets in early into teams <clears throat> and was doing well in the underage international teams I think the other 21s I don't think he played much before that, that la- the last game in the group when he got the head of goal in the, in the last game um, which was a powerful goal to corner kick and that kind of shook people shook me a bit I said my god he, he's jumped up from the the under 17 age group straight to the 21s he scores and now they're starting to put him around the first team and he's on the bench and but this week scoring against Arsenal and then he scores again and you're looking at him going what a goal what 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 what, what? but it was his all round game and the fact that a new manager is there becomes in and thinks he's good enough to start in mm. the team and it's not like Brighton have a load of injuries and there's a load of players missing there, you know, there, there's one or two players missing, but there's not a lot of May men in front of him. And the it looks like he's going to get, <coughs> excuse me, a run the team now. Great potential, um, and I think a very steady, steady background. Um, very down to earth. Been impressed with his interviews. I'm not surprised that he, he spoke very sensibly as well. And is a team player and understands it's not about him. It's about the team. About the team getting results. And that's perfect for Brighton as well because they've never been a team who've been reliant on a striker to score goals necessarily. Now, it looks as though he has goals in him, but actually, if you're to be the front man in that Brighton team, you're going to have to be about work rate and holding the ball up and bringing well, players into the game. Rose into it, which, well, well, it's been one of the weaknesses that? of Brighton mm. that they, they, they've, you know, they had Malpay at one time where he was not quite good enough, scored enough goals. He signed, signed uh, Johanna Bash at one stage, mm. Chris paid a good few well him, got nothing back from him. Wellbeck's been in around the team, not exactly prolific though he's a very good player so they've struggled for a main man and struggled to score lots of goals but their all round play has been quality and they've been very good they, you know last year they were very good and finished well up the table about 8-8 eight, eight last year I think but they uh, you know there'll be an opportunity there. look the most important players in football in the world are the goal scorers we know that we know that this week we know that the World Cup we know that ever through football the rest of the game can be tough but the hardest place to play is in the penalty area to score goals and this lad looks like his real ability to play up there and to score goals how excited should we be then like you've because in a way I often think when we talk about the next Robbie Keane or the next Damien Duff it's almost disrespectful to how good they were and how high a level they were at that age from the bits you've seen like should we be genuinely should we be looking at him starting against France well, I think that you've got to look at what, what Stephen has done and um, and some of the things he's done. I I thought 
they were ill-judged in some of the decisions and reliance he, he, on on the young players. I thought he went too far, but too far in trying to get results. I think the players have got to prove themselves in club football to a degree, balanced with what they've done in the underage teams before they should play in the senior team. Now Nathan Collins has done that and deserves to be in there. Dara O'Shea had done that in the underage team, obviously at West Bram as well. Nathan Collins was doing it at Bournley. Uh, go back to, to um, Aaron Connolly and he, he, he did this at Brighton got a couple of goals against Spurs brilliant looked like a, a great prospect had scored some goals under age international level but had been a bit sporadic and unreliable and not every manager liked him mm. and has proved to be the case that he hasn't had the consistency and he's now trying to refine himself it looks like he's going to haul and, but he's dropped off the mark a bit Troy Parrott is another one who has been you know had a very good start looked like he was to be as near as uh, Marino urge caution in relation to him although he, 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 he was aware of his ability they loaned him out he's been a bit his, hit and miss on his loans hasn't been a consistent goal scorer again with the seniors on national team scored some goals against some of the weakest teams scored I think it was in the, was it in Dora he got a couple of mm. goals in but he got he, a good goal against Scotland he got a very good goal against Scotland and played very well that was his best match but you know he, he's been a bit of a slow burner mm. since then and we we we've had that a bit, so I, I think you've got it. You've got to be very careful with that. Important young boys in. I think they need to be playing with experience. Needs to be experienced players. You, if you if you even look at Haaland tonight, who was a class player, unbelievable goal scoring record, Norwegian international scores loads of goals, and he's playing against two experienced players tonight. Didn't do as well. A couple of half chances snatched at him, didn't score. Playing against better players more experienced that's what it's like at international level you're playing against the best that every country when we play against France what will the French the back pairing be whoever it'll be it'll be a very experienced pair or a very good pairing mm-hmm. quick on their feet so that's going to be that's going to be um a big decision for Stephen to make who that, who's going to play up front whether we're going to play two up front whether it's going to be a 5-3-2 formation what that pairing are going to be but if he keeps playing as he is at the moment remember that match isn't coming to March he has to be very much in consideration and then you might be comparing comparing to what Robbie Keane was doing when he was 17 when he was scoring goals to beat the band in the, in, in the championship right at Wolves and, 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 and then he went on and continuously did it or what Damien was doing when he was playing the Backbourne's first team as a 17 year old 18 year old regular in the in the Premier League you know that they that, they weren't just throwing in because they were doing well in the under under eighteens or under nineteens for me. They were playing in the in, in at the top level for the clubs. They were the best players. They were the players that the fans were coming to see to on a weekly basis because they were, they were doing as many of the other players at that time, like Richard Dunn was playing regular in the first team, Steve McPhail, Barry Quinn was playing regular at Coventry in the Premier League in the first team. So that's the level. But just because fellas are playing in the first team or near the first team shouldn't mean that they're automatic for the international team they've got to be doing it on a regular basis uh, on a consistent basis I'd say not just now and again or not just in the championship or not just in the in the in league one which is the tour division but he's playing for Brighton who are a good side in the Premier League so he has to be considered for a starting place I'd say I suppose when you cut to the chase are we dealing with 
you know, the next Troy Parrott or the next Robbie Keane. Isn't that it? I'm so <laughs> harsh on Troy Parrott, like you said. Oh, look, and he could still come very good. But, I mean, I'm just saying that, you know, he's obviously had to drop down a number of levels to... Um, I was going to say find his level. One level, maybe he's, that, maybe, playing, maybe, he's playing very well in the championship. Maybe, it's maybe, that's, harsh. 20. maybe that's harsh. Yeah. And, you know, no more than the conversation we've just been having for the break there. Uh, it's also unfair to compare everybody to Robbie Keane. But no, but it is it is a Robbie Keane. It is we're, we're waiting on that one and it's, we're we, throwing we just an 18-year-old like, in there straight away. We'd like, like a bit of know. a whale situation where we could have a couple of worldies in the team and that'd be just fine. Like, you know. Yeah. Nathan Collins is sort of it at the minute. We'd like a couple more from him to, uh, mm. to join them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is he going to be it, Mick? That's that's really what no. I, I hope so, but I don't know because I like I, we've I'm, I listened to Brian Kerr tell me about Evan Ferguson. I think everybody, everybody outside of football on our level, I've heard a good few conversations about this week. It's like I've seen the guy play three times. Mm. I don't know. All reports would suggest uh, that he is at least has the potential to be the real deal. The way Bowes treated him, the way. I love that he chose Brighton over Liverpool uh, when he went over. I love the way he's talked about it and I just think that a Premier League team aren't firing a guy into a starting position in a Premier League team at 18 unless they see a real future in him. It's, it's, 18 is younger than it used to be. We were talking about Pele obviously a few weeks ago and stuff like that. It just doesn't happen as much yeah. anymore, you know. So I'm really excited by it, but I just want to see it play out. I don't want to kind of give analysis on it and where he's going to be because I don't know. Like, yeah, Deserby seems to be a big fan. That's the first thing. Um, listen to the interviews from during the week, and he's praised his technique as much as his physicality. Like people probably saw the picture during the week from that friendly where he played at fourteen, almost fifteen years of age against Chelsea, and he was holding off Kurt Zuma, who's a big physical player, and Evan Ferguson was well able from a fourteen years of age. But the thing that I was impressed by again, a bit like Mick, the sample size of watching a few under twenty one games where he's played and seeing the bits and pieces with Brighton so far. The thing that's impressed me is his touch, which I think will be very attractive to Stephen Kenny uh, when it comes to the European qualifiers whether he's a starter or whether he's a player who comes in Stephen Kenny generally likes to play with a centre forward who can hold the ball up in the number 9 position mm-hmm. Adam Ida has been playing there typically when fit in the Stephen Kenny regime but Evan Ferguson might fit in very very nicely because I think he brings other players into play I think he makes good runs he's very very quick which is one of the things that I've noticed um, he's got that kind of burst of pace despite being quite a tall lad and his technique particularly for the shot that hit the post against Everton during the week was quite good comes off the pitch with a goal and an assist he can't really be doing much more at Premier League level to impress the international management than what he's done so far but I am very let's wary up, that we can overhype it yeah, 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 I mean, I like, yeah let's take a 10 game sample size rather than 2 game but from what I've seen anyway is like his goal the first day was arguably like against Arsenal was arguably better than the one against Everton but I was more impressed with the Everton one because it was such an obvious one to snatch at yeah. and it was like really calm and just like took yeah. his time and yeah, like uh, composure in front of the goal is not something that we have uh, credited many Irish strikers with well, since. Even even Robbie in his day was a bad man for a one-on-one. Like, well, even you like to look, you look at uh, he only scored about four hundred career goals. By the I way, know, Robbie Keane. Yeah. So here's my and criticism. Th- th- this on one it. is also a very unfair comparison. <laughs> but you like the, lo- the likes of Haaland last night. The few chances that he got, and he's starting to snatch at a couple of chances. Like, look, he'll go out and shoot the lights out now over the weekend, and this will all sound rather stupid. But Just there was one chance where he got goals. through, like brilliant pace, brilliant control, gets through on goal. But because it felt like pre-World Cup he buries that chance but because things have not gone exactly uh, the way they might have done pre-World Cup now he sort of snatches at it a little bit and it goes wide um, 
look, I, it's let's not start making Haaland Ferguson comparisons. I think that would be even more unfair than the Robbie Keane stuff. So, <laughs> so is Evan Ferguson going to be more is, of a Robbie Keane but, but, or an Erling Haaland? The point, the point, the point. Yeah, the point that I was making was when's right, he gone to City? He uh, well, look, Pep on like him. He, you know, we could we could talk about where he fits into the Ireland system, and Will has been talking a bit, like obviously about the we haven't been able to see much of Adam Ida over the last while, given injuries and all that. But but that maybe an Irish system favours a big player like that are going to hold the ball up. It also papers over a lot of cracks a player like that because he does have the ability to yeah. take a lot on his own shoulders in a way that, like we mentioned, the Wales comparison where you have a couple of players who clearly stand out and can carry a team. Yeah, in that position with that physicality and that ability. We could be shit elsewhere. And mm, well, we don't really create a lot of chances. Would be my concern. But, but suddenly, yeah. you've, suddenly you've a new, you you look at a new again. reason to whack it, well, whack it in the box. You, you do, you do. Yeah. A, a reason for a different, slightly different style yeah, of play. No, that's fair. Yeah. Lump it up like. All right, look, you're, we're, we're all go. We're all go. We're going to win the World Cup. We're going to. I'm, I'm all, I'm all on board for this. We're going to win two World Cups. FIFA World Cup. Adamita is back from injury as well. Scored in his comeback last week, so hopefully he can actually get a run of games before these qualifiers come round. And the thing is, if you're Evan Ferguson, it's very young to throw a guy in against the World Cup finalists. Who's the caretaker manager in Norwich? Clown, anyway. Whoever he is, he's playing. (laughs) Hand, what's that? That. Use of Scottish guy and another Ben Gibson as the two centre backs on yeah. Bamadele back on the bench. I came on as a right back the other night. Yeah. Clown. <laughs> Based Coward. on that. On Coward, that I would say. Uh, right, oh, up next, uh, we're going to reflect on the PDC World Darts final. Michael Smith uh, upset MVG to become the new champion back after these. All right, uh, you're very welcome back to the show. And Will has insisted, having put this lot together, that we make this about darts. So we don't really have any option. Will that's it? Let's week week of the PDC World Arts Final. Michael yes. Smith finally fulfilling his potential. Burr bound Michael Smith, as you've been yeah, telling everybody I think, in this uh, studio. Barney is in Burr this weekend. What? Know, yeah. <laughs> what? Barney's in Burr. <laughs> Beautiful. Burr does Barney. Barney does Burr. <laughs> I don't know which way that works. I'm pretty sure I saw as well that Michael Smith is going to. I think he's going to Durrow or Abbey Leaks in a few weeks' time as well. So they always do the circuit after the World right. Championships. It's, um, I think he's going to Abu Dhabi though to play a tournament with Michael Smith this coming week so he does the kind of Irish okay. leg of his tour a few more quid that. to be made in Abu Dhabi I'd suggest in Burr I'd say so but, when, but here's the thing when these are set up before the World Championships you're probably thinking Michael Smith on the back of the Grand Slam of Darts is going to go quite well but you're probably not expecting he's going to go all the way and win the World mm. Championship when you've got like Price and Van Gerwen would have been favourites beforehand and then you get that added Brucey bonus of it being a World Champion Is he not getting the agent to email Burr the people of Burr afterwards and say listen I know we had this agreement but Things have changed, man. I put my and, feet uh, up. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there, but my fee is going to increase twentyfold. Mm. I, I look again. I'm just glad that Smith, who had lost two finals, this has been a kind of a really good five year spell for him. It was his third final in five years. Like twice. Fella. Yeah, lost the final last year. Always stayed humble at all the times during that because some of the Darts players do like to talk a bit of smack. And then the minute that the final finished, he was straight over to run off stage to go over to his... Did you see his kid? Yeah, the yeah. The older yeah. one who was wearing the same top as him and then like gave him the hug and he was being the big man or whatever. And then when his dad went away, you just see him wiping the tears uh, away. Oh, it was beautiful. I often it was look just at that pure sport. at this stage of life and think, me what too, are those kids yeah. doing up so late? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say I get mad sentimental about it now. If only I'd ever achieve anything, maybe my kids would think uh, that way about me. It's also it's, like, it's, it's uh, well, you know, bring them in, they'll be sitting on the box looking in. That'll be that. Yeah, uh, I'll bring them um, to the Imbro somewhere. It's also a slight, weird, slightly weird scenario for younger kids. It's a weird environment for younger kids. That's true. With yeah. some of the I mean, chanting and uh, sitting in the alley. Yeah, it's just weird. Look, I'm sure they're around it. They're also kids of a darts player. You can't, you can't, put, <laughs> yeah. you can't wrap them in cotton wool all their lives. 
Um, right, he had uh, twice uh, recently lost in finals and he completed a nine-darter, as we know, uh, just after his opponent had missed a double 12 for a nine-darter himself and went on to win the match seven sets to four. By the way, that nine-darter was just one of the most remarkable moments of the entire week or of any final that we're ever going to see because of the fact that MVG looked like he was about to complete the nine-darter beforehand with Smith sitting on his shoulder, literally ready to take his last three darts. And it, it was even like Mardell's commentary makes it because he genuinely does not know what to say and mm. that actually gives you a classic commentary moment but for even for the crowd sometimes they will kind of comedy boo when the double 12 is missed but they took kind of an intake of breath straight away because yeah. Smith is such a quick thrower he was actually up and setting up a nine darter himself within no time yeah. and then bang he's taken out a nine darter just a remarkable moment was the I can't speak thing because I he couldn't tr- speak or was it like an homage to the rugby league country? I thought it was an homage which That's in some I way I thought ruined the moment because it was a thing in itself yeah, but yeah, actually true. it turned out he couldn't speak he, he came he, off was, commentary Is that what he was saying? Right, he, okay. he, uh, he, he apparently put a lozenge in his mouth for the next two sets okay. and then eventually just had to call it a day and was replaced right. in the commentary box uh, he, he, Greg, he the, croaked the, himself out the with the greatest sports commentary of all time it was the, brilliant. I, can't, I, I can't speak one Oh, that one, yeah, that's true, yeah. But this was this was up there, I have to say, it was brilliant. Uh, Mardle um, made it, but like Nine Darts, I, I don't know, I, I don't know if I've ever appreciated them fully, but I watched a YouTube compilation about 20, 20 minutes of Nine Dart finishes. Did you, did you? And they are brilliant, the excitement of them, and they happen so fast, mm. because they're like, hold on, they're in a nine, and then like, they're always in like four seconds again after yeah. the other person throws three, and then it's like, they hit the first treble, then they hit the treble 19, and then it's like, double twelve. And it's like double twelve, and they get it, and it's it's a real eruption, isn't it? It's as good as anything, like because of the speed of it. I think we were chatting about this earlier, but I do feel like darts. One four seven, you're waiting for for five minutes. You know, it's on. You know, I I feel darts in the tennis mold in that it can be boring for long tracks, but when it gets dramatic, there's nothing that beats it. Like when it comes down to those final couple of points, it's I don't know if there's much other sport uh, look maybe maybe they all compare to it maybe golf is the exact same when it comes down to a playoff yeah, and but I do think the speed of it is what in some ways like it, it happens so fast with when it comes down to it whereas like even with golf I think there's a different type of tension that's just as good if not better actually in that it la- like you could like you watch the final round of a close major you're on edge for like four hours mm-hmm. it's a weird feel it's, it's incomparable really because it lasts so long mm-hmm. but it's the tension never drops Whereas this is like, it's really heightened really quickly and then it's over, you know. So I think there's, there is that element to it with darts that's And a dart unique, match can you know? swing so quickly as well. Yeah. There was a genuine feeling when Smith went a little bit off the ball after that set and you're thinking, mm, maybe there's a way back in for MVG. And particularly if a player gets a run where the set is on their own throat, next thing they can pull one or two sets mm. back remarkably quickly. But to Smith's great credit, he composed himself and actually finished it off really well to win by three sets. Are you any good? Well, am I any good? Yeah. Uh, I used to be a lot better when I played. You're no Sean Murphy, like you were an underage champion of some kind, weren't you? Were you? Uh, no, I wasn't underage champion. I was reasonably okay. <laughs> Mainly the dart. <laughs> mainly the damage was done to a few of the doors in our house at home oh, when okay. we initially put the dartboard in. But it is one of the things you get a little bit addicted to, a bit like snooker. We should get dartboard in around here, shouldn't we? Oh, you know, yeah, worked we on totally like, need more things. That, that and the, uh, <laughs> the the Xbox or whatever we're getting. Uh, right, uh, Glenn Durant, he's a former BDO world champion, Grand Slam of Darts winner. He was on with Shane and Jer on AM during the week to discuss where the final ranked amongst the greats. Unbelievable game, but I don't think much would ever top the Barney versus Phil Taylor uh, game, which was pretty epic. Uh, I mean, I go all the way back to uh, 1989 as well with Jockey Wilson, Eric Bristow. Uh, so there were some fabulous games, and I, I just think hate the moment sometimes. I think it was the greatest game, but definitely the greatest leg was involved. Uh, that was pretty unbelievable to watch that live. That leg, I mean, I, I don't even know where to start per uh, 
per Wayne model in the in the commentary booth had to, had to go and take a break for his voice sake. But uh, have you ever seen anything like that? No, no. I mean, it's honestly as, as a dark play, we dream. Uh, and when you go to bed and you dream of picking up a lakeside trophy, picking up winning Ali Pali, the Premier League, and then you, then you dream of 180, 180, 180, or winning a tournament on 170. So for actually to happen was unbelievable. And, you know, I, I love my Twitter. Uh, and I put a tweet on about Wayne Mardle saying how good his commentary was. And I think it's had more likes than when I won the Premier League. So go figure. Yeah, I think people were getting excited uh, off the couch a bit like Mardle after that, uh, that nine daughter happened. It was the quality as well, Glenn, of, of the play because there was there was one stage where Michael Van Gerwen was averaging 121 and he won just one leg in that set, which which kind of speaks volumes as to the quality that was on show. I think Michael was uh, Michael Van Gerwen was a little bit shocked actually because he just was effortless throughout the tournament, and you know people were writing off Michael Smith, and uh, and I think no word really hit uh, Michael Smith back, uh, Michael Van Gerwen back this past couple of weeks or. You know, after the first set, I had my concerns, but then, you know, they just all turned on that nine darts, a leg where Michael could have won with a one four four, and at moments like that, change games. Uh, but unbelievable, unbelievable. You know, to, to be sat at home watching it was pretty incredible, uh, and just a, a wonderful final. And delighted for the bully boy. Remarkable, and and I think I was getting carried away along with Stuart Pike and John Part. They were saying it was the best arch match that it, the match they've ever seen. Of course, as you say, there's a bit of recency bias potentially in there. But there was one point. I think it was the seventh set, uh, Glenn, when uh, Smith had a one thirty checkout back from two yeah. 0 down, and that was to go four three up. Felt like a turning point. A huge one. The seventh set as well. Van Gerwen had darts to win this set, and and I said to my wife, I said he looks drained now. And I just said, he, he looks, and it's very often you say that about Van Gerwen because he plays, you know, to the final whistle. Um, but he just, I think that fifth set and seventh set took an awful lot out of MVG. And from there, Michael Smith, you know, sometimes as a dart player, the only difficult thing after that is getting over that finishing line. Um, and, and Michael Smith had a little bit of a wobble, uh, but then his last three legs, you know, he dipped like Colin Jackson in the 110 metre hurdles. So it was great to see. I think at one point in that that um, fourth set as well, there was nine consecutive legs in favour of Michael Smith, which when, when you look at Michael Van Gerwen's performance in the quarterfinal and semifinal and how dominant they were, you know, not giving mm-hmm. his opponent a set in either game, uh, that's quite remarkable. It, it, it speaks volumes as to, to the levels that Michael Smith reached. But that's, a, that's an interesting statement as well, that nobody really, you know, sometimes it's like in a boxing fight, if you... You know, if someone hits you with the left, you want to hit them with the right. And and, Mike, and MVG all week was just jabbing his way at the victory. Uh, and Michael Smith in that second, as early as the second set, you know, just threw that first big bomb. And then uh, all of a sudden, MVG just, you know, it was just a little bit too easy for him. And sometimes you need to be battle-hardened like Smith's been over the past 17 days and go through areas where you don't think you're going to win the, the match. You know, you know, against Martin Schindler, he was arguably very lucky to win that game whereas MVG just cruised his way through and uh, you know, when it came down to the battle at the end he just wasn't up to the challenge Alright that's uh, Glenn Durant in conversation with the two lads on AM during the weekend you check out that full piece in the OTB Daily feed and AM as well Right loads coming up over the weekend we'll have Football Saturday FA Cup action all the way with JD and uh, crew Davy Russell the retirement interview will be on Off the Ball on Sunday and the Sunday papers as well as always coming your way early on Sunday that's it for me Will make thanks million thanks Adrian yeah. thanks for sticking with us on a, on a Friday night now thanks you can stay up in. that extra that's hour like. Martin said thanks for coming in <laughs> uh, that's it from us Blog is up next good night